0: From KYW News Radio in Philadelphia, this is Scroll Down. I'm Tom Rickert. We've been following a story since last summer here on the podcast. Four murders that took place on a quiet farm in Bucks County outside Philadelphia.
1: Solberry Township, it's such a quiet, beautiful area. These are, are you know college kids who uh, you know could have been anyone's son, and I think a lot of people kind of connected to that. We're strong. We're going to remain strong. And for this to happen there... I hope that I'm never in their shoes, but if I ever were... The most important thing was to bring everyone home. I pray that I could handle this with the courage and the dignity that they've exhibited. It's one of those things where everybody says, oh, you know, it can't happen where I live, or, you know, I can't believe
0: this happened where I live, but... The original story was called The Lost Boys. It was episode 14 of Scroll Down. We published an update in January of this year after the two cousins accused of the murders, Cosmo DiNardo and Sean Kratz, had started making their way through the court system. And then on May 16th, Wednesday of this week, Kratz and DiNardo were due in court again, but this time it didn't go the way anyone expected. Jim Melwert was on the ground reporting the story for us back in August. He's back on the podcast today. Thanks for making the time, Jim. Sure, absolutely. If you're listening and don't know what happened on that farm, this is completely new to you. You probably want to stop here and go listen to the episode we put out in January. It's called Update the Lost Boys of Bucks County. But for everyone else, Jim, can you bring us up to speed real quick on who Cosmo, Gennardo, and Sean Kratz are and what they're sure. accused of doing? Sure. Uh, back in,
1: in July uh, of last year, four young men in Bucks County all went missing at the same time. Dean Finnecaro, Tom Mayo, Mark Sturgis, and Jimmy Patrick. The search eventually centered on a farm in Solbury Township in rural Bucks County, Uh And eventually the the bodies were found. Three of the bodies were found in a a 12-foot hole. Uh, And then a deal was made with the person of interest and finally the suspect. And now the murderer who's pleaded guilty, Cosmo DiNardo, uh, a 21-year-old who gave a confession. And according to that confession that he gave last year, uh, Jimmy Patrick came to the farm expecting to buy thousands of dollars of marijuana, according to DiNardo. DiNardo drove him out to the middle of this, this property that DiNardo's parents owned and asked him for the money. Uh, he said he didn't have all of it, and DiNardo basically shot him and buried him on that part of the farm. Two days later, Dean Finnecaro uh, was brought to the farm again under the guise of a drug deal. He was shot by DiNardo and his cousin, Sean Kratz, in what was also to be, a, 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 again, a, a drug deal. And later that same day, uh, two others, Tom Mayo and Mark Sturgis, were brought to that same farm and they were also shot and killed. DeNardo put the bodies into a a large metal tank that he called a pig roaster, uh, tried to burn them uh, while the bodies were in there. DeNardo and Kratz went out for cheesesteaks and they came back the next day and uh, buried the bodies where they were eventually found. And uh, again, Denardo, both Denardo and Kratz eventually uh, gave confessions along the way, and that kind of brings us up to where we are
0: now. Since that week last summer, they've been slowly making their way through the court system, but it's taken almost a year to get to where we are now, to the court appearance on Wednesday. Where did this case stand before that court date this week, and then what was supposed to happen on the 16th?
1: Well, back when they were searching for the bodies, they'd found three of them, and Cosmo DiNardo, uh gave a confession then. They took the death penalty off the table to find the fourth body, which was the body of Jimmy Patrick, which was the one that was almost a mile away on this farm, or three-quarters of a mile away, and they never would have found it without that confession. So they took the death penalty off the table. But when Kratz and DeNardo were arraigned... They filed paperwork, basically aggravators, to say we could seek the death penalty if things, you know, we have this confession. We have an understanding that he's going to plead guilty uh, or that both are going to plead guilty. But just in case, we're going to file this paperwork saying if we need to down the road,
0: we could seek the death penalty. Wednesday morning, you're at the courthouse in Doylestown. Can you take me through the day who, who was there and what happened?
1: So sources had told us this was going to be a resolution to the case, that, that both men were expected to plead guilty. Cosmo DiNardo had a hearing scheduled for 10 a.m. Sean Kratz had a hearing scheduled for 2 p.m. So 10 a.m., right on the button, uh, proceedings start. DiNardo's brought in and is uh, pleads guilty to four counts of first-degree murder, Uh, and four counts of conspiracy to commit murder, four counts of abuse of corpse, and and on and on and on. Uh, But basically, part of this plea is pleading guilty to four counts of first-degree murder, four consecutive life sentences. And just an absolutely one of the most emotional hearings that I've ever sat through because 12 friends or family members of the victims spoke as part of victim impact uh, so much so that even uh, uh, attorney Tom Klein...
0: Okay, if I may, for the, I'll, I'll do this once for the record so we have it. I'm Tom Klein. A
1: ...very well-known civil attorney in Philadelphia representing the parents. You can actually see him sitting courtside at Sixers uh, games.
0: I represent the Finicaro family.
1: ...pointed out that he's never been in a courtroom where every sheriff's deputy in the room had tears in his eyes.
0: This has been an extraordinarily difficult day. Uh, we sat through the Cosmo DeNardo agreement hearing and I have been in courtrooms for 40 years and I have never seen a courtroom where every sheriff in the courtroom had tears in his or her eyes it is the most sad and tragic thing that could possibly happen and uh, fall upon four families
1: and saw today these victim impact statements ranged from heartbreaking Descriptions of these these young men that were killed to anger and and rage. At one point, uh, the mother of Tom Mayo and and not to get too graphic, but Mayo was was shot and he was lying on the ground screaming, and the, the rifle that DeNardo was trying to shoot him with jammed. So DeNardo got into a backhoe uh, and and drove over. Mayo killing him and then put the body in the, the pig roaster and tried to light him on fire. So his mother describing the emotion of thinking of what her son went through at one point turns to Donardo. She's standing at a podium that's kind of a little bit in front of the table that Donardo is sitting at. She turns and looks at him and said, you f-ing piece of f-t. it's taking everything I have right now to not f-ing kill you. And just a glimpse of the rage that's just unimaginable of a, of a of parent feeling. Another one, and, and I'll read a lot of my notes from this because it was just very compelling, again, the, the emotion of a family, of what, what they're going through. This is from the, the father of, uh, of Mark Sturgis, uh, Mark Potash, the father of, of one of the victims, Mark Sturgis. He said, basically, DiNardo did this because he could and he kind of opened everything by saying, look, you're not doing this because you feel bad. You're not, you're not pleading guilty because you're remorseful. You don't even know what remorse is. You're doing this, and I'm summarizing here, paraphrasing, you're doing this to protect your family because there's a very good chance there's going to be a civil trial here that these families are going to go after the DiNardo family, which is fairly wealthy, and they're represented by some of the most powerful attorneys in Philadelphia. Again, the father of one of the victims told DiNardo, you know that if you go to trial, things are going to come out that would put your family in a very bad place. That's the only reason he said he accused uh, DeNardo of, of of putting in this plea. But he goes on to say that DeNardo picked a place where he'd feel most comfortable, and, and that was the this farm, this this farm, this property that his parents owned, where Potash said that he would often hunt deer. He set up, and now I'm going to quote: "You set up four trusting, hardworking, pure-hearted, unarmed kids." that you knew were no threat and wouldn't have a chance, so you could safely play out your sick fantasy and without warning shoot them down like the deer you loved to kill there. You then mutilated their bodies before going out to eat and returned later to bury them so we would suffer forever if they weren't found. Luckily for us, you're consistent because you failed at that as well. And then he went on to say, His son's free of this place and can feel no pain. And then again he kind of turns in, in Donardo's direction and says, But you have the rest of your life to feel pain and live in complete misery. And he said, You know, do you think that because you killed these four people, you're gonna you're gonna be a hero in prison? And he said, he's lived a a, a protected life, and even now he's in protective custody in county prison, which which Potash described as a country club. But again, quoting, soon it will come to an end, and before you know it, you'll be on the chain, headed upstate where you'll meet Savage, and I can promise you, it does not look like you. If you think shooting four unarmed kids on your multimillion-dollar farm will be respected in prison and make your stay easier, you're very wrong. It's a lot harder to fit in in prison than it is in the world, and we know you, you struggled to do that. Not only are wannabes and cowards like yourself despised and preyed upon, They'll know you're a snitch before you're finished making your bed. Your family's influence and background for the first time in your life will work against you and make you a target for things. I bet you haven't even considered the possibility of being sent to a prison with someone who's somehow connected to one of your victims. And then he closed by saying, I can only hope to hear about you hanging yourself in your cell or getting yourself killed trying to fit in. Regardless, your only way out of prison is wearing a toe tag, and that's the least we all deserve. That was kind of the rage part of it. They were also heartbreaking, uh, the grandparents of Jimmy Patrick. They raised him from the time he was a baby, as his mother, has a debilitating disorder. Uh, his grandfather talked about how when he sees a fishing rod, he still thinks of Jimmy Patrick. And then told a story about how they tried to go see the body uh, after, after Patrick was killed. And said they got to the funeral home and they were stopped at the door by their parish priest and the funeral director who told them they couldn't see him just a heartbreaking description of how they were unable to, to give a formal goodbye. So just the range of emotions really summed up by Tom Klein, you know, every deputy having tears in his eyes, and then the anger and rage with these parents, with these family members, and also the sister of one of the victims, a, a, a young teenager, saying that this is reality, like this is their reality, and this isn't, you know, a, a made-for-TV news story. This is actual, like they're living this, and it really is just heartbreaking to, to imagine you know these lives snuffed out for really no reason that anyone can comprehend.
0: Wow man I, I, I can't even imagine. Did Cosmo say anything? Did he Did he say he was sorry? He did give a, uh, a brief statement saying I just want the
1: families to know I'm sorry. He said if he could take it back he would. And then he said, "I hope the families can find peace, and that I am genuinely sorry." And the judge, Judge Jeffrey Finley, and Bucks County Judge, told him he thinks that apology is false and insincere. The judge saying uh, that he's listened to this one and a half or two-hour confession uh, and and highlighted some of the things that, that DeNardo said in that in that confession. Uh, one of them that he said a prayer. After, after killing one of them and almost saying it in a way like, well, at least I said a prayer. And then also, again, going out for cheesesteaks after they killed these four. They went for cheesesteaks before they went home and showered. His tone of voice, the judge saying, just shows a total disregard of, of value of or value of human life, no sense of remorse or regret, a heart so hardened and acting with malice, which if you've ever read the description of first-degree murder, those are key words in that description. So... He went on to say that he has no doubt in his mind that uh, should the day come that you were released into the community community, you would commit murder again, as you have no value of human lives, the human lives are disposable. Uh, so he had no problem imposing that sentence uh, of of four consecutive life sentences. but but again, you know calling that that uh, that so-called apology, uh, as he put it, false and insincere.
0: Where was Sean Kratz in all of this?
1: DiNardo's hearing started at 10 a.m., and then Kratz was scheduled for 2 p.m., so he's kept separate, he's back in a holding cell. And so we go in for the, the 2 o'clock hearing fully, fully expecting that it's just like the morning will proceed as expected with with the guilty plea you start seeing movement you start seeing attorneys kind of meeting and huddling up the defense attorneys huddling up with prosecutors and then the defense attorney walked back into the room where uh, through a doorway where kratz was being held and then he came out and looked at prosecutors and shook his head and then d.a matt weintrobe uh, went through that door and then he came back out and then finally the uh, the judge takes the bench and they bring Kratz in and they sit him down and the judge said, so we understand that you were, we expected a, a plea here, but uh, that, that you are, are not taking that plea, that you've changed your mind. And Kratz said, indeed, he did. Uh, and prosecutors put on the record, they didn't play, but they, they gave a disc that has uh, an audio recording of a confession that Sean Kratz gave just a couple of weeks ago on April 25th as part of this plea agreement. And uh, we understand that in that confession, he is told you were giving this and it's part of your plea. And if you decide to change your mind, this could be used against you. And he still agreed to give what we're told is a full confession. Uh, but he did decide yesterday that he is backing out of his plea and he's going to go forward with trial. And Matt Weintrobe was very clear, DA Matt Weintraub. Uh, I feel just as whipsawed probably as many of you who are watching, as many of you who have questions, very clear in saying, as is his right, he's asked for a trial. He has rejected our guilty plea offer. That's his constitutional right, and they fully support that, however. Took the opportunity, with his attorney's permission, to speak to him directly. That's where I disappeared to in the back. He was resolute. Um, I was incredibly
0: disappointed, but that's his right.
1: Weintrobe said in no uncertain terms, that this plea is off the table. The plea, with by the way, was uh, 58 to 119 years. It was a plea to third-degree murder and some, some related charges. And now they'll go forward with multiple counts of first-degree murder. And uh, Weintraub says, we're going to seek the death penalty against him. Make no mistake about it.
0: Against Sean Kratz. Do you have any idea why he would change his mind? No. And and even speaking
1: with his attorneys afterward, and they were sort of blindsided from, by this. They had no idea what prompted the, the him to change his mind and they fully expected uh going into the day that this was going to be a guilty plea and then they found out not much not much be- longer before we are not much time before we did uh that he had changed his mind and he was not going to plea so there is no clear reason why he did whether or not he thinks he can he can beat the charge he has a confession that uh will be argued that prosecutors can use against him and uh, we understand that he was told in that confession that it could be used against him and maybe life on death row is hard and then a lot of times you'll hear people wonder well in pennsylvania there's a moratorium on the death penalty no one's been put to death for for i think decades now and the last one was voluntary actually asked to be put to death but death row is not a nice place and you can actually find pictures of it i've we got a tour of the the new prison phoenix that's being built and you are kept in your cell for pretty much 23 hours a day Uh, you get an hour outside you're shackled anytime you're moved and when they take you outside it looks like a dog kennel i'm not exaggerating when i say it looks like a dog kennel you're kept in a cage and kratz may think he might be safer in a situation like that and that might be true these these guys are not going to be popular when they get to prison and in an environment where you're kept by yourself in a very
0: secure place that might be better than being in general population. The next time we see Sean Kratz, will will that be at his trial?
1: Yeah, there may be some pre-trial hearings, uh, depending what motions are filed. They have to be, uh, there, there's a, a deadline coming up quickly for any pre-trial motions, and then uh, they will proceed to trial. There was no uh, real guess on a timeline uh, for that trial. I think they said it would probably take till next year uh, for the trial to begin, but again, this will all kind of depend on what kind of motions? What kind of pretrial motions we see?
0: And as for Cosmo DiNardo, what happens next to him?
1: So typically, after uh, someone is is sentenced to state prison time, they're kept uh, local, usually in county prison, so that they can meet with their with meet meet with their attorneys. There's you know ten day window for, uh, for certain appeal issues, just so that they're close to their attorneys and can get all that taken care of. DiNardo actually waived that and said, "Nope, just send me straight to state." So. Uh, he is already on his way to state prison. Doesn't sound like there's any talk of any appeal. So this may well be the last time we hear of Cosmo DiNardo.
0: Jim, where can we follow your reporting on, on this case and as it continues to move forward with Sean Kratz?
1: Uh, obviously, KYW. Uh, KYW 1060 and then uh, KYWNewsRadio.com, and then also on Twitter, J. Melwert, and
0: on Facebook, uh, Jim Melwert. Thanks for coming back to the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Love being on here. Thanks for following this case with us for the past year. We'll keep up with it, and we'll follow any developments ahead of the trial of Sean Kratz. If you haven't followed us on Twitter yet, we're at Scroll Down Pod. I'm at T-Rick, T-E-E-R-I-C-K. Thanks to Jim for coming back to the podcast, and thank you for listening to Scroll Down. I'm Tom Rickard, and I'll talk to you again next time.